It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Blue Wire. Well, if it's any consolation, I just got back from watching the Paw Patrol movie. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are doing that. <laughs> my my brain is a f- icy right now. Cool. All right, three, two, one. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable. Can't remember how it goes. <laughs> We're professionals. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Blue Wire, for the check. (laughs) Here we go. Three, two, one. Welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah Jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. With me, Sarah Todd, Jazz Beat Reporter for the Deseret News. And as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, uh, summer has been weird. It's basically like too hot or too smoky. Everything in my home state's burning down. It's been weird. Yeah, it's... I did enjoy like the like the little sliver of fall we got outside didn't smell like a gym locker yeah and i was in vegas for almost 10 days and turning into hunter s thompson (laughs) yeah it was it was 106 degrees and i only was able to go to the pool twice because the air quality was either too bad or the like jazz games coincided with like the you know, the greatest time to go to the pool. So it was just, yeah, that's okay. I ate a lot, I, of, a lot, a lot of shrimp. So ate so much shrimp. You got iodine poisoning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The single greatest hip hop lyric in the history of the genre. <laughs> I was trying so hard to emulate. <laughs> Shout out Pimp C man. RIP to a legend. <laughs> RIP. I'm sure we have a huge hip hop <laughs> fan listenership. Yeah. on this podcast yeah a lot of big crit fans out here yeah <laughs> yeah summer league was interesting because i mean it, it's there was kind of a tale of two stories it was like we weren't gonna see jared butler we definitely saw four guys that we wanted to see that's elijah hughes doke trent forrest and our sweet boy jarell brantley what those guys did was interesting. And then the rest of it was kind of like, who cares? Yeah, I was kind of, you know, I, I can't say that I sat down and like analyzed every summer league game. I can say that. Ooh, yeah, but that's your job. And yeah. my job is different. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you quit your job. I did. <laughs> Welcome to it Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to quitting jobs. We love Shout it. Shout out to quitting jobs that suck. Yeah. Um, however, there is no quit when it comes to this podcast. Hell no. Um, and 
I did watch some of the games and I will say like, I was a little intrigued by Macy Oteague. I know that we, we talked about the core four, but uh, I was excited to see the jazz offer him a contract. I think that like he has a chance to maybe find a place in this league. I don't necessarily know if that's going to be on the jazz roster, but like from watching him and just his feel and his ability to get buckets, like, yeah, that's probably an, an end of bench NBA player guy. It was cool to see. Good story. Good for the guy. If we're talking about guys outside of that core four, one of the things that was interesting to me is as soon as I wrote about this the other day, as soon as I got to Vegas, I was looking through all of the team rosters and I was going through them alphabetically. I got to uh, the Brooklyn Nets and was like, Brandon Knight? Yeah, it was um, weird. There weird. were a ton of of veterans on right. summer league teams. And so you had that whole column about it. Yeah. And so then I started like looking through the rest of them. And then you get to the Portland Trailblazers and they had Michael Beasley, Kenneth Freed, and Emmanuel Moutier all on one summer league team. And I was like, what is going on? And then the Kenneth Jazz Reed is a gold medalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is wild. Michael Beasley has 11 years in the NBA already. Yes. Like it's, uh, it's unreal. The accomplishments of the, I mean, we're talking about the manimal Kenneth Fareed. Yes. A very good player for a number of years. Yeah. And so I went, I talked to like all those veteran guys, you know, some of them had different reasons. It was really interesting to find out that Emmanuel, who was not on an NBA roster last season, uh, that was actually a decision that he made. Like, I am not going to play in the NBA this year. It's a luxury that I have. COVID was like very scary for a lot of people. And he was like, yeah. you know what? I just want to be with my family and basically took a mental health year. Good and for him. I good hella good story. for him. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I, you know, cause it was always in the back of my mind. I was thinking like no NBA team picked him up. Is he going to go play in Europe? Like, right. Are we going to see him pop up for like Maccabi Tel Aviv or something like that? Yeah. Like, and like he said, he had offers and he was like, no, I just like need this time. And so I was like, man, good for you. It was a hell yes. Yeah. Good for him. And all, all of those like veteran guys had different reasons for coming back and wanting to play in summer league. But like the, the common thread for everyone was that, COVID times have been really difficult for athletes who want to stay close to the game and summer league is where you can get close to the game. And so for they sure. were like, they were like, we just want to play. And so if they're going to let us play on a summer league team, why not? I love and it. I thought it was great. It was, I mean, it was good to see those guys get some run and they were really interested in helping out the young guys. I talked to Kyle Fogg, who was on the jazz summer league team and he's had an incredibly successful European and Chinese right. career. And he said the same thing. He was like, I've got on the back burner, like offers in Europe and China. He's like, but we don't know when that's going to happen. So why not get some run in August? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be a hooper, go, go hoop. Yeah. So uh, that was really interesting to me. And uh, to your point about Maceo, I don't think that he's going to break onto an NBA roster. I definitely expect for him to be with the stars this season, but mm -hmm. th there are interesting th parts to his game a lot along the lines of kind of the stuff that Trent Forrest has, and it would be good to see him develop. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Good story. Happy yeah. for the guy. So I guess we just run down the list. Of these guys I talked about it a little bit in the last pod that Elijah Hughes is an interesting test subject because he's got guaranteed money and he will be on the roster. Right. 
it doesn't seem like he's quite ready, but he does have a tendency to kind of heat up the more that he's in the game and score in clusters. And that's an interesting yeah. thing. It's kind of Jordan Clarkson-esque is like yeah, once, once he hits, he keeps hitting. He's streaky. Yeah. But the, the frame and the build that he has is, is probably his best asset and whether or not he can become a versatile defender. And that's what we're looking for out of the rest of this 21, 22 season from him. Yeah. I still think, you know, we keep saying this and it's going to be a recurring theme until it gets remedied, but the jazz really do need one more defender. Yeah. And whether that's Elijah Hughes or Brantley or Oni or whomever, there is a golden opportunity for someone on at the end of the rotation to crack the rotation due to their defensive versatility. So yeah. I'm interested to see what happens this year. I think everyone understands that it's a glaring issue and that the rotation needs to expand. Uh, and I'm, I'm very interested to see who it expands to. Yeah. I think part of that, we can get into the topic of Trent Forrest because I kind of can't believe that the jazz got him on a two way. Yeah. It's wild. That's maybe like the biggest steal that they had this off season. Yeah. Because I think he very easily could have gotten a minimum like regular roster spot on a lot of different teams. Yeah. He could have gone to like, uh, I don't know, a rebuilding teams, like hypothetically, like the Orlando magic or something like that. Yeah. And you know, the only issue anyone's going to have with his game is his shooting. Uh, that's an issue that we've talked about before. It remains an issue, but like I've said, one of the things that I really like about players uh, like a trait that I really like is when they own up to their problems and yeah. Trent absolutely knows that the shot is the problem. And he talked about it while he's in Vegas that, you know, he's been working with the shooting coaches and it's not like his form that anyone is worried about. Uh, it's mostly just about rhythm. Like he needs to anticipate when he's going to be shooting. He kind of gets caught not knowing. Mm -hmm. And so it's just about reps. He's in the gym putting up, you know, 500 shots at a time. So good. Uh, and that's good. That's what you want. And if it fixes the problem, then good. And if it doesn't, then that'll be an issue for him. But he's, mm -hmm. he's really, really smart on the court. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that really stuck out to me watching those summer league games was just how much slower the game is, especially a lot of the time in summer league when you get, you know, young guys trying to prove a point or these are all guys trying to crack a rotation and you get uh, kind of that Tasmanian devil kind of approach where it's just balls to the wall, mm -hmm. you know? And I was really impressed at how under control Trent Forrest plays yeah, and, and how much slower the game is and how patient he is. And like, while he's not a great shooter, he's very good at picking and getting to his spots. Right. You know, and he runs a good pick and roll and he's a good floor general. Like you can see the pieces there of like a guy who can be, I don't know, probably a backup rotational point guard in this league. Yeah, definitely. But like he needs to put it all together because he has all of the intangibles outside of like a consistent shot. Exactly. And I mean like it or not, if you're a guy that has the ball in your hands for the majority of the game, if you're like the, you know, lead ball handler, whether that's 
starting or as a backup, mm-hmm. you have to be able to hit a shot outside. Yeah, absolutely. Ben yeah, Simmons. Especially, especially in a league <laughs> uh, that continues to move outside. Yeah, exactly. And if you can't, you know, we, there's, there's, I forget how many think pieces that come up in a regular season about the death of the mid range, but you know, if you can't hit a three or if you can't get to the rim at will, like you're Giannis big problem. Well, and that's the thing is like, it's not like Trent Forrest has like a huge mid range game either. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like he's out there playing like DeMar DeRozan, you know? Exactly. So you've got to, you have, you have to be able to, you have to be able to score. Yeah. You mentioned he's got, a very good pick and roll game mm-hmm. that that was on display with Doke. Um, yeah, those two got those two have great chemistry. I was yeah. I was impressed by that. And that's because they play all the time together. Yeah. You know, they're playing three on three together all the time. Yeah, Doke's really good at what he does. He's very good at what he does. Yeah, he, he is so large. Yeah, big boy dunk hard. Yeah, <laughs> get rebound. Block the shot, the shot. <laughs> make the dunk. Yeah. The only problem it's, it's like kind of a double-edged sword because he's a lot quicker than you think that he's going to be. He's uh, super athletic. He's incredibly athletic. And we heard, we heard it when we talked to Jarrell, he was like, you guys don't understand how athletic he is. And we, I saw it in Vegas. He, he closes out a lot faster than you think that his body's going to let him. And so yeah. he's able to block jump shots and that's really great. And it's really cool to have that from sort of a traditional style center. Mm-hmm. But he, the problem is, is that he wants to block every shot because he knows he's capable of it. And then the ones that he misses, he's then out of position because he's running out on jump shooters. And so then it makes putbacks easier. It makes offensive rebounds easier for the other team. And so he just needs to learn timing and like not to go for every single one. Well, the good thing is the silver lining is... He now has Hassan Whiteside <laughs> as a mentor. <laughs> and who in the NBA goes for more blocks and is out of position more than <laughs> Hassan Whiteside? I, I really do love that. Like, I like the idea. Because we talked about it on the last on the last episode too, the Hassan uh, Whiteside narratives, you know? Yeah. Listen, I don't, I never want guys to fail. Okay. That's not never what I want. So I want Hassan Whiteside to succeed and to have great things, but it would be a very good story. If Udoka Azubuke takes his minutes from him, I would enjoy that. That would be funny. It would be funny. It would be a great story for Doke. Another fall from grace for Whiteside, but, and like, it's just, even if it doesn't happen, it's very good for, for Doke's development to have someone else to like compete against in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I want just one time this season? I want a, murder. A, <laughs> I, I, I want to go bear white side Doke lineup. <laughs> yeah, I just want Quinn Snyder to do the, uh, the Stan Van Gundy. We form a f-ing wall. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe there's a game where like there's a fight or something and we get like multiple like ejections and they have to put them out on the court together. He's got no yeah. choice. Or, you know, there's there's a situation where the Jazz are up one against the Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris Middleton isn't playing. So, you know, that he's not going to take that shot. Yeah. 
And so you just have Whiteside, Doak, and Gobert at the rim just with their arms up. Yeah. That's all they want, just once. Quinn, hear me out. One play. Quinn, if I'm you're asking. listening. In an 82-game season. <laughs> There's got to be once. You can do it against the Kings. They've got 10 centers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It'll be an all-center lineup. Give me Rudy Gay as a point guard. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I would watch that. That's I would oh, yes. watch that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Our sweet boy, Jarrell Brantley. It was a rough summer league for him. Yeah. It wasn't great. The problem is that, like, in summer league, it's hard not to watch for the flashy plays because it's so yes. much just like up and down and so much garbage that mm-hmm. the really flashy stuff stands out. And Drell's just not a flashy player. He really isn't, no. And again, you'd love to see some more consistency with his shot. Uh, I don't think that's that's not a concern with him, though, because like he's a he's a good shooter. He can shoot the yeah. ball and he's willing to shoot the ball, which he made a good point in saying, you know, maybe a few years ago, I don't even take seven shots in a single game. At least I'm taking yeah. them. And yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. Still, his defense stands out. Like, it, it wasn't that great in summer league, but it's hard for me to believe that certain guys' defense really can stand out in summer league. It's, it's just, it's not great basketball, you know? No. Yeah, I'm not, again... Like, I really try not to take a whole ton of stock in Summer League. We've seen, like, those Summer League stories. I bring it – I brought it up on this pod before. I'll continue to. It's kind of the story that I always bring up when it comes to Summer League. But, like, I personally watched Greg Ostertag dominate Tim Duncan in a Summer League game. Yeah. So, like – you know, I think we can take a lot of this stuff with a grain of salt. I'm still Team Jarrell. I still, in even if his shot isn't hitting, that's that's not the most intriguing thing about him. It's his versatility, especially on the defensive end. And you take you take you want Jarrell or Mie? Oh yeah, give me give me Jarrell. Yeah, I think Jarrell is a better player. I think he's a better shooter. I think he has a chance to stay on the court. I think which Mie can't do because Mie can't stop fouling. <laughs> and I think that Jarrell is an overall better playmaker than, than Mie. I think he's the better player personally. And I also thought that it was interesting that the summer league coach, he's one of the jazz assistants, Brian Bailey. He mm-hmm. put Jarrell on the court at the five for a little mm-hmm. bit in one game. And he looked good. 
Like yeah. using Jarrell as a small ball five is a very interesting concept to me. Yeah, he's got the build for it. It's strong. That's the thing. Is he's got a, yeah. an incredibly he's thick and jacked. <laughs> he's got that. He's got a Draymond type frame. Yes. Which means like, but he's athletic enough that he can get out to the perimeter while also like being able to bang with guys in the paint. Yeah. And that right there is what makes Jarrell Brantley intriguing. Yeah. I think even if they end up waiving him and he only gets, you know, the 84 K that's guaranteed in that contract, I think that, you know, Jarrell's got a place in this league, whether he stays in the G league and then gets called up by someone else. I think he's just someone to watch. I think that those kinds of players that play versatile defense are, are, you should watch for them. I mean, Agreed. Lou Dort is the prime example. Mm-hmm. Another another G League prospect. Yep. Undrafted. Yeah. Again, uh, another guy who comes to mind is Wes Matthews. Yep. Who, former jazz man. Like, you know, he didn't play in the G League and, and contributed right away for the jazz, but like he was there because of his versatility, you know, and he's carved out a very nice career yeah. and made all sorts of money because of that. You know, the rest of the guys on the roster, maybe there's a couple of them that I could see going to the stars. Nate Sestina, maybe, uh, I think his name is DJ Thunderberg, but I just kept calling him Thunderbird because I prefer that name. So I'm nicknaming him Thunderbird. Those are uh, maybe Dakota Mathias. Those are guys that could probably play in the G League and maybe get called up to another team somewhere, but Nothing, nothing outside of Maceo and above the guys that we've mentioned mm-hmm. that really, really stood out too much to me. That sounds about right. Yeah. I think we, we all knew what we were going, like what we were getting into. Yeah. There was nothing before that... this even started. Um, and there wasn't any, like, I mean, I think Trent Forrest was a bit of a surprise of how well he played, but again, yeah. like he was also the guy that you had your eye on. Exactly. Like there was nothing that like shocked anyone. It was just like, Oh, Trent's better than I expected. But other than that, no real surprises. Yeah. I think my favorite guy though, was that, that dude who was playing on the Orlando magic summer league team who looked like a Russian mobster. Oh, uh, he looked, he looked like Tima Tima is his, is his last name. Fun fact, Justin Zanuck actually helped uh like he wasn't his agent um but he kind of worked in conjunction with Tema's Tima however you say his name uh his agent when he was going through the draft process many many years ago so Justin Zamek for making a long story short basically represented him at one point Justin Zanek <laughs> number one front office man <laughs> yeah he he helped Mr. Timmy. <laughs> yeah. I love him. He reminds me of person in my country. <laughs> and apparently know how to shoot balls. So he like a Russian sniper. Look like Vigo Mortensen in Eastern Promises. Giannis Tima. He rules. I love that guy. I hope he cracks a roster just because I, I just want I I wanna I want a Giannis Tima jersey. Man, Victor would love this guy. Uh, Latvian, who last played for Kim Kim Moscow. I see him play. <laughs> I leave 
hometown by season ticket. I'm just like Googling him. <laughs> this is hot wives. Content. He has a hot wife. Um, multiple. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, one after the other. But... I was going to say, I mean, if he has multiple, then there's, I mean, the jazz do have an open <laughs> roster spot. <laughs> if you're looking for a sister wife situation. <laughs> Listen, we got it. We got an entire show about that here. <laughs> yeah. The season schedule came out. Anything that you have to say about that? It's weird because like we, every year reporters like analyze the schedules, you know? And yeah. it's like, oh, who has the the easiest or the worst? And every year I feel like it's kind of a futile, you know. Yeah. You kind but, of play who's in front of you. And yeah. like you're gonna have to play every team. You're gonna you're have gonna to play every team. You play them the same amount of times. Like it's yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little excited because it seems like there are much fewer back to backs. There are much fewer back to backs. That's true. I like that they've got the two six game home stands. Yes. That's very nice, not only for me personally, but also for the team to have like that much time at home. That means more practice days during the regular season. Yeah. Which, so. yeah, it's great. It seems to me that it to be, I mean, as far as like a difficulty standpoint, it seems pretty front loaded. Right. You know, much like last season was. And then you get closer to the end of the season um, and gets a little easier. I am always interested, you know, when you're playing at the end of the season, the jazz have a bunch of games against Western conference playoff teams, like the nuggets and Portland and Phoenix. And, you know, I do think they're going to be right in the swing of things when it comes to getting the number one seat again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very interested to see what happens at the end of the season. When you're playing these playoff teams, do they go balls out like they did last year and try to secure that number one seed? Or do we actually see Mike Conley and Rudy and some other guys sitting on the back end of some back-to-backs like does joe ingles take a little bit more time so he's fresh for the playoffs right Same thing with boy on like you know the the core of this team is very good but it's you know a lot of the key contributors are getting older and i think we saw that in the playoffs last year rear its ugly head with fatigue and then with mike and and donovan not being healthy yeah. so that that to me like you know, again, you have to play every team. You're going to go out in the road. You've got your East Coast road trips. Like, it sucks every season. There's going to be a lot of travel. That's just part of it. But I am interested to see what steps are taken to keep the guys fresh for the playoffs. Because ultimately, that would ma- that's what matters. And, like, getting the one seed last year was great. Again, we doff our hats to the organization. But it didn't mean anything when you flame out to the Clippers in six games. Yeah. I think that last section of that's absolutely the most interesting part of the schedule because, and we won't know the answer to that until we get there. We, we won't know like what the jazz is, what their, what their plan is. Like, we don't know what the scheme is going to be. Like if they're actually going to rest guys or if they're going to like be competing for that number one seed, we won't know until we get there because it's not like Quinn or anyone's going to tell us before it happens. <laughs> that, that last eight games though is Mavericks, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, Grizzlies, Thunder, Suns, Blazers. Yeah. So six of those teams will likely be in the playoffs. Right. I think the teams that fall off this year are, I mean, obviously Oklahoma city. Yeah. The thunder. 
Right. And I don't think the Portland Playoff Blazers are going to make the playoffs because I think eventually they're going to blow it up. Yeah. In a row, though, you've got Mavs, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors. Yeah, that's murderer's row. That's going to yeah. be tough. That's going to be six days. Six days for four games. Yeah. Against teams that will be in the playoffs. Yeah, like that's that's rough. It'll be interesting to see. Do the Jazz punt any of those games or do yeah. they – do they try to go full steam ahead? I'm that that to me is one of the more uh, interesting and intriguing storylines of the upcoming season. Yeah, I think that you're right though. the The Jazz have to be they absolutely have to be more cautious, especially with Mike this season. They there's no reason to run him hard this season. No, they know they're going to be a playoff team. Like they have to deliver Mike Conley to the postseason healthy. They have yeah. to. And honestly, who gives a shit if you're the first seed or the three seed? Well, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter all that much. The Jazz are more than capable of winning a few basketball games on the road. Yeah. And like, here's the thing. Whether you're the three seed or the one seed or the seven seed or whatever seed you are, you have to win on the road in the playoffs. Yeah. And you still got to, so you're still going to have to beat the, the other best team, yeah. you know? Like, Getting out of the Western Conference is going to be hard as hell, regardless of what your seating is. So I would much rather the team be at full strength. Definitely. Uh, I think, well, you know what? We want to do a mailbag episode coming up, right? Yeah, let's do it again. Send yeah. us your questions. Send us questions. You can send them to us on Twitter or you can send them. You can email us. You can write us a novel if you want to. We don't promise to read it. You can send us stuff at unsalvageablepod at gmail.com and you know the rest do all the things follow greg at dad sham dad follow me at nba sarah follow the show at unsalvageables leave us a five-star review we really really love that helps the show helps everyone involved and download rate review subscribe all of the things we love you guys so much and we'll talk to you soon you honest I am your number one fan. We love you, Yanski. I love you so much. <laughs> Good night.